0: Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm yours, Morning. and my co-host as usual, Aiden.
1: How's it, guys? Playing three matches in seven days. Never easy feat, especially against the Everton side, who had uh, about a fortnight break. Um, tough game, and you could tell in the first few minutes of the game we were going to be in for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, quite a few pundits before and already started writing us off. Um, I believe Don Hutchinson, he was saying like he was edging it towards Everton, but, I mean, of course, Arsenal were, um, or oh, sorry, Everton were also seemingly more clinical, you know, leading up to this uh, match between Arsenal and them, because, I mean, Ancelotti seems to have now finally got that, that blend that they've been, almost like lacking under Silva, so, you know, that was almost like the type of threat they were posing already, I mean, of course... Their biggest downfall at the moment has been Jordan Pickford, because he's been dropping a few clangers in a few games. But that being said, changes about for Arsenal, six in total with uh, regards to the Olympiacos game. In came uh, Ballerin, Pepe, Ozil, Sebayos, Kolasinac and Ketia. What was your thoughts on the lineup?
1: Well, it, it surprised me that we went with Nketiah again, especially since um, since Laka's had has been finding the back of the net. You know, two and two you thought you would have come in. So that was a bit surprised. I'm also surprised that Torreira never started. You know, yeah. uh, make seeming that you know Everton would have been a tough game. But, you know, we've always asked Arsenal to be adventurous when they were at home and, they, you know, they, they gave us what we wanted. Seba was, again, in the team. And um, I think he, he started off a bit shaky, giving away that initial foul to um, to that led to that eventual first goal. But other than that, you know, I think the team selected itself, you know, currently on on merit. Uh, I know, sorry, one surprise as well was also Callison as well coming in for Saka. Yeah.
0: And I mean, like with Arsenal, of course, being caught cold with that uh, uh, Sigurdsson free kick. I mean, for me, uh, as a whole, bad marking from the get go because it's hundred
1: percent. Took,
0: uh, you know, almost like it took an eternity, even though it was like the first few seconds of the game, for them even just to get organized, like for the free kick. And I mean, when the ball came over, nobody's really, you know, trying to dominate the ball. We get overpowered. And I mean, the ball ends up ping pong around the box. And I mean, Calvert Lewin, you know, just over it kicks the ball past, you know, 1 0 Everton.
1: And you did also mention that the U.S. One of the danger I men, isn't it? the top scorer or something like that currently. Right. And I thought maybe it could have been a, a free kick with a high foot. What was your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think also because, I, mean, I mean, it went right across the shoulder blade and uh, like, just swipe past David Luiz's face. But, I mean, I don't know, they even dared to check, you know, the, the, the VAR check. And at the moment, we're just not having that. Obviously, green there. So, you know, goal yeah. was given. yeah. But, you know, with regards to the the goal, also it's also like, I mean, I don't know how you saw it, like since you know watched the game, how you felt because I mean you could you could feel everybody it was like sucker punch from the players to the crowd. I mean the crowd just went flat, you know, after that that, that uh, goal, and it was only like, I was actually wondering, am I actually seeing this right? You know the way it was played because I think it was clocked at what 51 seconds.
1: Yes, yes. I <laughs> uh, I guess psychologically, you know, no disrespect to everybody, he damaged us. The, because of the start of the season and by that goal going in I thought I think a lot of us Gooners thought oh no here we go again because let's face it we it was going to really be an uphill battle yeah. we were playing our third game has come fresh from yeah. um, a two week break or a fortnight break um, so they, they they were ready to, to go where Arsenal were maybe a bit leggy and you don't want to start the game behind in a situation like this so for me, I thought, you know, is this going to be our, our first loss under yeah.
0: Cause I mean, They were, like, really peppering us, I think, for about a good 20 minutes because, look, Iwobi came close. And then, of course, we had that, that uh, hefty collision between Kolasinac and Sedebi, which, you know, I think looked like it did some serious damage to Kolasinac's shoulder. We had to not be substituted for for Saka in the 14th minute. And, I mean, from then on in, it looked almost like we were still, like, Trying to, you know, shake off the like I said, the cobwebs when you watch like say boxing and then somebody gets rattled. It takes a while almost like for you to shake the cobwebs out before you can, you know, get into your natural game again.
1: I think that there's a turning point also in the game when Saka came on. I think the the guy's just you know, everything he's touching turns to gold. Yeah. And that that came through with is is an is was it, is it tenth or eleventh? It's just of the of the season when he he whipped in a a lovely ball for for Eden Ketier. I mean he I know it was a good cheeky not a cheeky but like a definitely touch to 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 make it to one all but it was all um, Saka's ball I mean he's crossing I think Olivier Giroud would have loved Saka to play with Saka
0: because I mean uh, also just in regards to the substitution I mean I even read some tweets by by Everton fans where they were actually saying. For them, they felt that was also like a turning point because all of a sudden, like with Colosimo, was like getting caught out. Because what I think a lot of people actually overlooked, I don't know if you also picked up on it, that with a goal of of Everton, that could have been probably offside if he didn't, uh, didn't get himself involved into that little yes. step with I don't know who the player was, but just through that plate, everybody on, uh, everybody onside, and that caused all the confusion in the box. But that being said. When he came off, Saka came on, brought a different sort of problem, a different sort of headache to um, Ancelotti. And, I mean, all of a sudden, you, you started seeing doing overlap runs. Um, I mean, the way he met Obama and Young were reading each other with us, you know, that, that free-flowing passes down the flank. I mean, I loved watching it.
1: It, it kind of gives the, the opposition's wingers now uh, a bigger headache. Like, now, do you stick it to us? Do you ice, leave your, your um, right back isolated now? Or do you have to now... Give up your attacking prowess and help defend. So, I definitely, like you mentioned, help Arsenal transition from the back foot on back and getting into the front foot of the game.
0: And I mean, uh, like, uh, one thing my wife was also mentioning to me during the course of that game, like, was her watching with, and I mean, look, she's also been an Arsenal fan for decades now. Uh, like, for her, when she was watching soccer play, like, you know, the sort of impact he made, and she said uh, that it really reminded her of the days when Ashley Cole used to be shifted into the squad so slowly but surely. And it's like, you know, where you eventually would be doubled up with one of the experienced left-backs that we had, where they would be almost like rotated. But I mean, Ashley Cole used to do a similar sort of job where you think to yourself, you know, you can't believe this guy is from the academy and he's doing so much damage to the opposition already. It's
1: It's a very exciting prospect that we, like for once in a while again, we have a guy like you know Martinelli and then now Saka that's really showing their potential and coming through. Because in a long time, our youngsters haven't been good enough to be able to do what they're doing now. If you look back, it's been a really long time. So I'm happy that this is happening. And, you know, the, these youngsters are changing the game for Arsenal, slowly but surely. Yeah.
0: And in the 33rd minute, David Luiz and Fiennes Aubameyang, I mean, was probably a gem of a pass. that's all I can say. I mean... No words really spoken. I mean, when you watch the replay as well, it's just like a slight little flick up of the head by David Louise and he knows, uh, or Aubameyang knew, okay, this is the run. And I mean, it was like a typical eye of the needle pass. It, it reminded you of David Luiz' Chelsea days when he used to play Hazard in. And I mean, Aubameyang runs, gets onto the ball. And I mean, what we normally talk about, our favourite type of goals, that he's just starting to set up the keeper to line up his near post. And then he just opens up the body and just shifts it like You know, Henri, Henri style into the far corner. 2-1 Arsenal.
1: And it's, it's, it's you know, your man, d v that you mentioned, that was one of the danger men for Everton. Actually, you know, a, a lapse of concentration to allow Yang to get in. It was a very good run. Mm. How uh, he arced his run. So I was really impressed with the finish as well. I mean, you know, his confidence is brimming at the moment.
0: And I mean, what you just mentioned with the arcing of the run, at first, when, when when David Luiz first got the ball, you could see yeah, a waming offside, but did you notice how quick he transitioned into getting himself on to, to like set up almost like a different phase of play? And then he starts with that, that sprint when that, that uh, through ball gets played. I mean, it was fantastic football all around.
1: David Luiz, uh, I know you mentioned him back in his Chelsea days, but it also gave me a glimpse of uh, the 6 fabric guys of old when he used to wear <laughs> yeah. the Arsenal jersey. Yeah,
0: that was it. So Arsenal, of course, start to uh, dominate that that latter part of the first half, and you know, almost like either what you and I have been discuss- discussing since we've done the podcast, you know, that last five minutes of a game, I and mean, when we creep into halftime, you and I always are worried about it. We almost like a broken record already about <laughs> the concentration levels, and then it came to bite us on the backside again, like with uh, what, in the fourth minute of of injury time, again a, a, a lapse in concentration, and of course. The ball that, uh, was it Sigurdsson that he hits into the box? It's almost like one of that leg spin balls, like in cricket. The ball just took a like, crazy, like it hits the turf. And it just only, like does a leg break motion into another direction. <laughs> and I mean, it caused total chaos for, for Arsenal.
1: Uh, I think Elena could have maybe done a bit better with uh, yeah. to, to like, you know, prevent that from happening. But you, know, you can't fault the guy. I mean, he... And we'll get there, to it, but you know the whole season he's been saving our bacon. So,
0: Because, I mean it was like a scrappy goal by by Charlesson because I mean like he just stabbed the ball home, and I mean again, uh, of course we're now just being finicky or picky because of like we, us being Arsenal now, but I mean you could have also called that up for maybe studs up because I mean the way he like you know like shoved his foot down like that, but that being said. Bad defending all around. And, I mean, of course, the goalkeeper seemingly getting lost with, you know, his, his judgment of where his goal was.
1: And that's just two goals that were gifted by bad defending. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we never really made everything work for their goals. Like, we had to <laughs> show brilliant, really nice goals.
0: So, uh, switch attention to the second half. Of course, can lightning strike twice, they say. And, of course, 23 seconds later in, bang. Young then powers, Homer Pepe cross.
1: Emirates was a rocking 3 2 Arsenal. And it's, it's like a Bamiyang, uh, I stat that he scored only three 8 for Arsenal and they've only come under the Arteta reign. So that's a, a, an interesting fact. I mean, I don't know if any of our listeners can correct me with that, but there's also a good cross from Pepe. You know, it seems yeah. like he's starting to become a trademark of looking for a out wide to you know shift in and put that cross in. Because, I mean, the defenders don't always see it coming from from the back.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, what I also liked of, of the goal was... Look, Pepe could have been rushing himself and, and almost, like, choked on the, the cross. But, I mean, you could see the ability cut inside of the defender. He first I mean, like, almost, like, composed himself. And then, I mean, like, you know, he get a better chance of picking out Aubameyang. And, I mean, the way Aubameyang just powered home between, like, the defend, the defensive line of, of Everton. was, I mean, a fantastic goal because, I mean, also... Like uh, uh, as somebody that used to play as a goalkeeper, you hate that sort of balls coming in when uh, when somebody's heading or shooting the ball into the ground, where it's not like a bounces ending up you know beating you and, and nestling into the net.
1: Yeah, so goals first in the first minute of either half. I'm not I'm sure that uh, hasn't happened in a really long time.
0: Arsenal, of course, now you know smelling blood and now suddenly just swarm all over Everton, and I mean of uh, Ancelotti then of course immediately responds because i mean, he's also a very proactive coach. He then brings on Gomez and Bernard, who of course starts, you know, almost like more dictating the pace in the middle of the park. And I think that has also got to a point where you could see Arsenal also slapping, slacking off on the hour mark. Because now, all of a sudden, Everton started taking charge. And now, all of a sudden, we're now sitting on the back foot, now trying to just break on counters.
1: Yeah, I think that's when Arsenal started, you know, the... They were becoming a bit jaded, like Austin Wenger used to say. They were starting to get exhausted because, I mean, like I said, the third game now, you know, in a in it was a seven days or something like that, where they played. So and then you have the likes of everything we haven't played. So you know, automatically fatigue would kick in, and like you said, Arsenal just started sitting very deep and were willing to kind of, like you say, soak up pressure, but. Um, you know, the, the result could have been very different if, if things didn't, you know, go our way because we had that bit of luck, which yep. normally we didn't have really under the Arteta today.
0: And I mean, there were some real, like, I, mean, I don't know how you saw it, but I mean, for me, nearly like heart-stopping moments because yes. certain things that we were... I, I don't know if I, I messaged you, like, eventually privately or whatever, but the sort of risks that we were taking in, in our third of the half, of the pitch... It was like, like, like there was one point, I think, where Saka tried a, a step over and, and, and one of the Everton players just put his foot on the ball, Saka fell, falls over, immediately Everton go on the break and you know, narrowly miss. Then you had also other opportunities where our guys were almost like, instead of just hoofing the ball upfield or out into touch, because I, I think that is where Mustafi saved a lot of people's backsides in that team, because he was the, one of the defenders that was actually just getting that ball as far, either up the pitch or deep into the stands, just to, to for us to, you know, catch some sort of breath or get some sort of formation back into into the game again.
1: He, uh, I must give another, you know, he had another good performance in in this game, and I know he's come under a lot of scrutiny of late, or, you know, uh, we, or me personally, I've also slated him, and you know, said I wanted him out, but you know, he's really, he's really showing his, his his desire to play for Arsenal and where another player would have walked out already yeah. or striked, he was really professional. So, I'm happy for the way things are going for
0: him. But, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, of course, Calvin Lewin then also just misses a, a Richarlison cross. and I mean, I couldn't believe it. Because I was already watching almost like the goal. I think, I don't know if he glanced the ball past with his head or something, but I mean, it was like a what you would call a sitter. And I mean, he ended up, you know, fluffing that chance. And then Leno also pulled off some fantastic saves, again from Calvert-Lewin, as well as a long-range shot from uh, Fabian Delph. And, I mean, of course, I was just thinking to myself, I mean, I don't know how we going to hold on, because I was almost like getting to a point where I was screaming at the tally, almost like to, for Arteta to just sub Ozil even, because all of a sudden you could see, the minute Ozil tires, and, and, and you're not, you know, you're suffering with with where you needed extra bodies, or extra sort of legs, that fresher legs in midfield. Because, I mean, look, I think uh, Sembayos was also dead on his legs because the minute Torreira came on, you could see there was some sort of injection of pace. And, of course, when Gundozi got um, subbed in for Urzel, you could also see that control was slowly coming back to us. We, we were trying to then hold onto the ball and, and almost like drive Everton back again because, of course, it, was, it became like a ding-dong battle with both sides. They have popped at each other. And I mean, Eddie Nketiah, 86 minutes, I believe. He did cracks one of his shots against the crossbar. I mean, he was, I mean, for me, very unlucky. I mean, he had the beating of Bigfoot.
1: Yeah, and Nketiah is like, a, you know, I haven't been the biggest fan of him mm-hmm. sometimes because he maybe, he sometimes his feet maybe works faster than his brain is working. So he <laughs> ends up doing something he's not supposed to be doing or overeating a pass or you know, his ball control sometimes not the best but his, his work rate really makes up for it and I think he's he's doing really well and, and he's taken a chance very nicely and Arteta must have been seeing something in him since giving him the opportunity since he came back from Leeds.
0: Yeah, So, you know, Arsenal, as you said in the start of the podcast, three wins in a week, so onwards and upwards and now we move our attention to the arsenal Olympiacos tie this evening. A round of 32, second leg. So, of course, time to make, you know, extra show of progression to the uh, next round. And, you know, like my personal opinion is, you know, try to put this bed to, uh, like, you know, to bed as early as possible.
1: Uh, I'm hoping we're going with a strong lineup because I know Olympiakos, I don't want uh, you know, with the, the situation we had was at the 2015-16 season where they came and beat us at the Emirates. Yeah. So, you know, we, we shouldn't take this lightly, and I'm hoping to see the likes of Lacazette and Yang in the yeah. starting lineup with perhaps Martinelli as well.
0: And I mean, like, for me, with the Knicks only being our Portsmouth next Monday, uh, yeah, next Monday, we should also go, you know, full strength, because now you can at least think, okay, we can play them, whatever, the players can get a rest, and I mean, you can probably take a chunk of that. Maybe the, team, the guys that now played or were on the bench, maybe. And you let them play the the Pompey game now next week. So, of course, Danger Man's still for Lampiakos is Valbuena. Well I mean, look, we've known him even like in his yeah. also. I mean, he's always somebody that keeps him either, like, you know, ticking no matter when the chips are down. He's the one always that you have to, you know, keep a close eye on. And I think also, like, as I uh, slowly uh, wrap up with this, uh, I also think the crowd also needs to play a massive part this evening because... I think you could see the players' of feet of that. If you think of that sort of performance that was now done against Newcastle, where that stadium was rocking right through that, of like, especially in the second half, when we just overran them. And I think this is how we should go about things tonight. Also, Really, you know, almost like show no mercy to them. Because Olympiacos at the moment, they are on a decent run because the last five matches they've won, uh, I think four and lost the only one, and it was to us, because they are still un- unbeaten domestically.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you don't want to be keeping it away goal up very early because if they score a goal, they could sniff blood and then, you know, the Arsenal crowd at times, when it comes to situations like this, get very nervous. So, like you said, let let the players and the fans work hand in hand. Let the fans give the crowd things to shout about and together, you know, they can get on the backs of course. Yeah, so
0: now we also move our teams to the fourth round FA Cup tie against Portsmouth away from home. Uh, it's probably the next to uh, beat the, big, the Cup test for Arteta. Uh, playing Portsmouth or, you know, chasing promotion from League One. So I think cause from the, the coach actually also said this is actually more of or it has become more of a uh, distraction to them than, you know, something positive because they are, I think, fifth in, in League One, you know, really chasing that promotion spots or the playoff spots. So, you know, that's almost like they don't need to really be sidetracked. So I don't know how they're gonna, you know, go about uh, with pressing on their lineup for uh, their test against us. And also, the game was been sold now for a couple of weeks. So, you know, there's gonna be really a packed crowd, especially the home crowd. And I mean, we know the pompy and the chimes and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, the Premier League days. So, yeah, Arsenal will probably ring the changes for this match. I'm sure with, uh, you know, our next Premier League game only on the 7th of March at home to West Ham. So, I think, you know, it it's might as well, you know, give some of the, the, the you know, the uh, squad players also a good runner. there.
1: It'll be good maybe also for Nketiah to maybe lead the line in this game as well. So, I'm hoping maybe he gets another opportunity. And like I said, maybe comes back, mm. I think, you know, back, also maybe can play in this game and now he can squeeze them both in but I think Lacazette like is someone that needs to find the back of the net because he, I think he's a very confidence based player I mean if he's confidence is flying he can take really any team apart I mean we've seen this with him so I hope he gets a chance there but I don't know if Arteta will ever try to play Nketiah and Lacazette like in the same kind of setup.
0: Yeah. So now we switch now to the talking points part of the podcast um, of course the The one thing that's been floating around in the newspapers the past, like say five days or so, is now luck is it? And there's all talk about if Arsenal can't guarantee Champions League football, he would leave. So now he got asked that question now yesterday in the press conference. And I mean, at first he gives this little, you know, quizzical look and he asked, like, now where did that come, come about? So. Then I asked him if that was like one of the stipulations, and he said, He said nothing of that sort. He don't even know where that article came from. And then he also added that, like, for him, he said, Why should I leave when I'm happy here? Because he said it's also it's based on like his happiness as a footballer and as a person. And he said, Right now, he's in a good place now with Arsenal.
1: You know, that's a very good answer from Lucky said, But you have to look at these clubs, it's all out there at the moment. You know, Arsenal. I know we're a long way away from it and, you know, it could it could all be a pipe dream, but with yeah. Arteta, and, you know, you mentioned it as well, rebuilding, but if you look at at, at the Barcelona size, the Real Madrid size, all those teams, at the moment, yes, they would probably beat us, but, they, like, you know, they are more on a decline than, you know, Arsenal's on a decline at the moment. Arsenal are slowly starting to get, the, you know, we still need to make the various changes and signings, yeah. but you look at Real Madrid, they don't look anything to be wowed about as they would have been with Ronaldo. Same with with Barcelona. If you take Messi out of their team, they, you know, still are Barcelona, but they're not as great as they once were. Bayern as well, you know, is coming right. But these top teams out there, you know, aren't as dangerous as they once were. And you can look at Arsenal. You know, if they can get their players right, you know, who knows? In two, three years' time, we could be a force.
0: That's a. I think that's one of the pointers that was brought up you know, when this whole transition period was taking place and, and it kind of started falling apart with, with um, Emery was when you have that, that sort, of, uh, sort of plan or the project where you're going to start basing your squad where you're going to have maybe an average age of say 21 or 20 because if you think of say Saliba when he comes uh, next season, you're going to have that defense like reasonably young and actually a good age because I'm not, like, I'm not. I'm just putting aside people like Socrates, David Luiz right now. But I mean, if you're talking of Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, Victor Saliba, and this is also like kind of leads into my my uh, other point that I also bring in with regards to the talking points was when you do that strengthening in the summer, if you bring quite a, a lot of these players that are, you know, just about gonna start hitting that that peak for young footballer. If you can bring them in with that, like, you know, that crop, with that sort of mentality where of that, you still have that sort of hunger and desire. But I mean, also some someone that's also going to be competitive and make us also as a squad or a team competitive. And so we can start fighting for bigger things.
1: Do, do you think Mustafi will get sold in the summer? Or do you think there's still a chance for him to, to be at the club?
0: I mean, my personal take is, I'm still sticking to my guns from like, what I said start of the season. We still need to get rid of these sort of like people like him. We still have to eventually get rid of. Because look, you must also put sentiment aside. Because look, at the end of the day, we still a football club. We still want to have success with uh, like, you know as a team, and it's going to take probably tough decisions. Like where it's going to, but it's going to have to be made because same can be said with, with Socrates. You don't see him. Being somebody that's going to lead the squad further on down the line or or say David Luiz as well. I mean, David Luiz, I think contract-based, I think you will probably just see out his, his second year. Because, I mean, he did sign a two-year deal and I think he will probably sit out the two years with us. But that being said, like, I would still get rid of Ozil. I would still get rid of Xhaka. Gustavo would still be on top. Because you can think these guys can still bring uh, a lot of cash for the club. And, I mean, right now, I think we also need Look, – we're going to probably get some sort of uh, minimal budget. About, I'm not saying it's going to be, again, like the old 45 million that the people were throwing about. But I think we're probably going to have a good uh, chunk, like probably close – like just over 100 million probably. And then, I mean, if you take uh, into in context now these plays and, and they get sold as well, it's going to bring in a hell of a lot of revenue. And also, I think that what could also be worked on now, probably leading up to the summers also – Getting this this contract extensions done with Obama Young and Lacazette, if they do not sign, then they will have to be transferred as
1: simple as it. what I see, Arteta, you know, believes that mm-hmm. you know Aubameyang could possibly still be at the club. And I think maybe with the ascendancy of Arsenal, you know, who knows? Arsenal winning the Europa League suddenly. I know we still have a long way to go. Yeah. But you know, the, the, the opportunities are there presenting itself, especially Spurs losing against Chelsea. I mean, that's a big plus for us. And, you know, hopefully when we do take on Man City, they'll be more focused on the Champions League and knowing that, you know, it could be a nothing game in the in the Premier League because, you know, no matter what happens, they're still going to be knocked out the Champions League, you know, not going to be able to play it. So they might as well try to go all in there. And, you know, maybe we can pip them. And we're also playing we play Liverpool eventually, I know, later on in the season when they could have the title wrapped up. So, yeah, yeah. you know, these, these little things can play to our favour. I know it's, it's game by game, but looking at the bigger picture, there's a lot to play for and you don't know no, these players' futures it still could be at the Emirates.
0: So, that is also where, where um, Klopp is also worried with regards to Liverpool that, you know, once they win the title early, is that sort of hunger and desire still going to be there? You know, where they would see off teams. Because, look, it, look, we've... Seen it ourselves for and now. Arsenal have just wiped the floor with, with, with teams in, in championship seasons. And then they like just take their foot off the gas, the latter part, like the last two, three games. And you can see the, the mind is kind of on holiday already because you look, you know, you got the title done and dusted. Because you remember the time when we beat, I mean, we won the league. I forgot which season it was. It could be, I'm not sure if it was 97, 98. But I mean, uh, I think some like. Two days later,
1: when they had to play against Liverpool with the title wrapped up, Liverpool slapped us 4 0. 4 0, yep, but uh, 100% that enemy went on to also lose to Aston Villa, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, let's hope that because I don't want this invincible reign of Liverpool to be to you know take it away from Arsenal, but each week they get closer and closer, and you know, if they win the title, that's invincible, record, I mean, they could have they will probably end up having more wheels than we did. So, yeah.
0: So, other the other talking point I was going to bring up was the whole left-back problem. Because I don't know if you saw in the media, um, we are now showing interest in Mark Kukurella. He's a Barcelona left-back who's on loan at, at Getafe at the moment. I mean, he played quite well against his parent club the other day. I mean, I think they just managed to lose 2-1. But, I mean, he had the number of, uh, was it? Not Jordi Alba. Who's the right back? for yeah, that... that. Uh, no, Samedo.
1: Oh. oh Samedo, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he shows, like... Because it's almost like watching soccer. The, the same sort of running action, like, you know, like, being the attacking threat. He also knows when he must sit in defense. And I think... Who knows? I mean, that could be a decent option because I don't think it would cost that much money like, with, with him now. Because, look, I think he also wants a change because he's also just tired of waiting in the wings because... Uh, that uh, uh, what's that, The junior that plays left back for Barca as well as Jordi Alba. I don't like, he's not third in the picking order there. That's why he even wanted this loan deal to, to get at Getafe just to get away there.
1: Speaking about you know left backs and what what do you think we should be doing with Saka? You know, do you think that Tiene and you know, a new left back should fight out, and then Saka should be in his rightful? you know, winger position or even, you know, a guy that can play behind the striker or in the front three or or do you kind of prime Saka to kind of play this this left-back, wing-back role where you've seen how, how Liverpool have, have kind of pride in the game on attacking yeah. wing-backs. Because at the moment, you know, Saka is looking better than Hector Balladin on that side. Yeah. Like on, on an attacking point of view and defensive even.
0: And I mean, uh, you can also notice in that, um, especially in the Everton game, I don't know if you picked up on it, but Everton were doing all the attacks on the Bellerin side. They were not really trying to have a go at, at Saka because they knew, he, like, toe-to-toe in, in a race, he's always going to catch up to them. Whereas Bellerin always like, he always looks tentative with all his decision-making, whether it's in a sprint or even going up in, uh, up to attack, he, he, he still looks in two minds. And I think that's all that, that, in the injury of him, I think it caused a hell of a lot of mental damage. Like, you know, yeah, more like a mental thing to him where he's always, like, overly cautious. And, I mean, we all know Ballardin for, you know, that, that lung-busting runs where he would uh, go forward. And I think it's almost like he has to always think twice before he does certain things, which, I mean, I can't fully understand because coming from an injury like that, I mean, I, I worry with people like him or even when you see Rob Holding getting bumped off the ball. I mean, you don't want that, that knee to jaw or anything because you know what could happen again.
1: Yeah, that, that is quite scary. So, you know, would, would you kind of, would Saka play him as a left-back continuously? Or do you want to see more of a attacking threat, like as a as a winger or anywhere in the front three?
0: I mean, I, I still would prefer him as, as a winger. Because just imagine if, if Tierney's fitness can be up to scratch. Because I think at the moment, that is actually my biggest concern with left-backs at the moment. Because same with with, with Colosinus. Every time Colosinus is breaking down, coming back, breaking down. Because, I mean, if you think of, of, of uh, Tierney and, and Saka, they would actually, if you remember the cup games that we played with him in the early, early rounds of the Carabao yeah. Cup, the two of them were actually dominating games yes. themselves on that flank because they would almost like take turns with that overlapping runs. Like one time Tierney would cross, or sometimes Saka would go ever go or ever pop at the right back or right wing back. So, I mean, they, they would actually complement each other, but I, I still think if if we do bring, say, another left-back in, then I would actually have Saka play the natural uh, left-wing position because I think we also lack that sort of thing because that, that a real attacking threat as a left-winger because, like with Aubameyang, he always has to cut inside if he plays out left, whereas Saka is going to give you that natural threat, he's going to give you a natural type of cross as well into the box.
1: I agree. It was like a Gareth Bale kind of guy. You know, how he just came as a left back inside and he took the the world by storm as a as a left winger. Yeah,
0: and just like as I know, you know, wrapping up the podcast now with regards to summer, um, the strengthening of the squad. I mean, my take personally. I mean, I would like to hear your take also. It's like I would actually personally like one uh, centre back. Uh, probably one goalkeeper to replace uh, Martinez. Then probably uh, one holding mid to almost like co- kind of compliment uh, Torreira. And then, of course, maybe, I mean, of course, I would like a, a winger. But, I mean, if, if Saka can go back to that position, I will be fine without. And then, of course, I was thinking of maybe bringing in also another striker. Or do you think we stocked up with forwards?
1: You know, it It, it depends. If 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 our strikers currently now stay as is, then I say, you know, keep it as is. But if we lose a bombing, I do think we're gonna need somebody to come in. I mean Martinelli's still very young. You can't depend on him to to to, to win games every single week. Lacazette hasn't sh- has shown that he can also be eaten miss at times. So we will need another striker almost maybe on a Lacazette level, maybe slightly under study that could do a job for us. but you know and I'm talking about this I'm thinking as well. If Saka comes as a left sided player, you have Martinelli and, and like I said who could also, you know, fight it out for that main striker position. Then for me my so it it's so I'm very on the fence with that. But my main thing is we need a dominant midfield player. Whether well, maybe a centre back coming in as well. But for me, the main thing for me is a dominant um, midfield player that is going to be like, you know, I know the Watford's in a bad state, but the Decore does really well in games where he makes himself, he, he's attack and defence. You know, I don't understand cliche, but like a Patrick Vieira game, someone will take the game and the scruff of the neck. We don't really have that at the moment.
0: Oh, and as I also want to end off, um, I don't know if you heard of this, the plans in the pipeline, of course, for uh, a Wenger and a Santi send-off uh, from the club was... I don't think there was now really that big of I a... Mean, I think Wenger, yes, but with Santi, I don't think so. Like a, a real big send-off for him. So from what, uh, you know, hearing through the grapevine, the Emirates Cup, I think 2020, there's going to be some sort of thing with regards to... Uh, it could be Valeria being one of the squads there. With, with Santi now finally getting a right send from the Emirates crowd. And of course, I I don't know, it could also coincide with with Wenger and and probably that that statue that everybody has been talking about.
1: Yeah, but I I also heard that if Arsenal season don't go according to plan, they could end up playing European qualifier in that period. So they could also miss out on that as well. So let's fingers crossed that we get the job done tonight and we know we don't end up going that route and missing that such a momentous occasion.
0: And with that, end of the podcast. um, I hope you guys have have a fantastic weekend. I hope you enjoy the match tonight against Olympiacos and the match on Monday against Portsmouth. Come on, you Arsenal.
1: Okay, let's go Gunners.